0: This is another episode of Connecting the Dots podcast. I'm Skip Stewart, Vice President and Chief Improvement Officer for Baptist Memorial Healthcare.
1: Hi, everybody, I'm H. F. Mason. I'm a General Surgeon and Chief Medical Officer at Baptist Memorial Hospital,
2: DeSoto. And hey, everybody, I'm Jake Lancaster. I'm an internal medicine physician and the Chief Medical Information Officer for the Baptist system.
0: Well, today we are so incredibly honored to have Dr. Shaw, President of UMass Memorial Medical Group, Welcome, Dr. Shaw. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Hello, thank you. Hello,
3: everyone. Uh, I'm Shlomi Shaw. I'm a vitreo retinal surgeon uh, and the chair of the Department of Ophthalmology and Visual Sciences here at uh, UMass Memorial Healthcare and UMass Medical School. Uh, recently, about five months ago, I became uh, the president of the medical group uh, here at UMass Memorial, and uh, that's, you know, that's my gra- background. I'm a clinician. I'm a scientist. I'm a surgeon. I'm an administrator. I many things.
1: Dr. Shaw, thank you very much once again for being here. And, you know, one of the reasons for this podcast is to talk about continuous improvement and, and especially to talk about physicians and how they Got into continuous improvement. Most of us didn't go go to medical school. We didn't go through residency and and even when we started practice, we didn't go into practice with the idea. That 1 day we would be practicing continuous improvement. We'd be leading groups and leading organizations. So tell us a little bit about about your story. How how you got into to continuous improvement into lean and into, into lean practices?
3: Yes, yeah, so uh, I was um, offered to be a chair of a department of ophthalmology and visual scientists in, in uh, 2016. And I was chosen for this uh, role, not because I was a good leader or I had anything to do with management, but because I was a clinician and a scientist and uh, you know that's usually and typically how department chairs in academic medicine are chosen. And when I landed at UMass I um, received a clinic or a clinical operation that had a lot of challenges. Uh, for example, it took five months to schedule an appointment, Uh, to see an ophthalmologist in our clinic, uh, it took about, uh, 74 minutes to wait to see a physician here. Um, so there are a lot of, uh, challenges that this clinical operation had and quite frankly, I had no idea of how to fix it. Uh, so I uh, kind of landed uh, here in Worcester, Massachusetts, and I lucked out because our CEO, Dr. Eric Dixon, uh, is um, is a lean uh, guru, and uh, very shortly after uh, I started as chair, he took me to and other people, other leaders in our in our organization, to tour uh, Theta Care. Uh, which was uh, known from pro- for continuous process improvement and uh, lean management. And this was the first exposure that I had uh, to lean. And then I came back and I said, okay, well, this is actually a new language that I can use as a new leader to uh, lead my team. So very shortly after that, uh, I started uh, with a coach, with a lean coach that uh, came to uh, to our department every Friday morning and together with our whole physicians and staff and front desk people every single week, we talked about lean and um, we learned, we learned together. We uh, had a white belt first and then a yellow belt and then several people later on acquired um, a green belt. I acquired a black belt. So we this is a journey that started when I become, became chair. Today, um, you know, in 2021, we increased our patient's volume seven times. We increased our surgical volume four times. Um, it takes less than two weeks to see a physician here, you know, while it was taking more than five months. You wait uh, at very short period of times at our clinic, much shorter than before. Uh, and uh, you know our patient satisfaction rate are uh, are growing and getting higher, and also physician satisfaction rate are are high. So that's you know what we have achieved in in this journey.
1: When you yeah. when you talk about the the white, yellow, and green and black belts, I assume you're talking about lean six sigma. Yes. How, how many how many physicians do you have in your department and And tell me about the obstacles that you faced as you, you tried to implement, or you tried to, to encourage your, uh, your physicians to adapt these new principles, because I know that I know how difficult and how, how stubborn we can be.
3: Correct. So, you know, I approached it uh, as a physician myself, as a physician, as a scientist, as a chair, I had uh, enough uh, humility to say, I have no idea what this is, and I'm learning with you. Uh, You know, I acquired the white belt with all of my people and then the yellow belt uh, with all of my people. Uh, It was very important for me to put everybody in the room also physicians, you know, not only uh, physicians and not only staff, but everyone, because the concept uh, that I think is is most important for success or the key component for success is the understanding that we function as a team. So while we may have, and we do have uh, brilliant physicians who are, you know, top of their game and excellent surgeons, it still doesn't mean that the patient experience through our clinic would be flawless. And it still doesn't mean that the patients are going to be happy. Only if every everyone speaks the same language and continuously we continuously improve the, our processes, then we can maintain the same uh, level of high care that we provide to our, our patients. So I think you know what you're talking about about you know this resistance or or skepticism you know, we have it, I think, as human beings, not only as physicians, we all have it. I saw it and actually we have a photographer here here in the department because we are an eye center, so obviously we take a lot of pictures. So this photographer took pictures of us when we were having our first meetings and you could see people sitting with their arms crossed, with their faces Kind of angry. You could see that in the picture. Sure. And now I think, uh, you know, Skip participated in one of our houses. I w- was not even present. Uh, so I don't know how, what your experience was, but I'm sure you heard that people are uh, engaged and people feel free and safe to voice their ideas no matter who they are.
2: That, that's great. Uh, and I appreciate you coming on. And, and you mentioned Dr. Dixon, who has been uh, on the program in the past. Just shout out to him. I appreciate it. We had a great episode. Yeah, that was a good one
1: previously. They're um, all good, but that was a really good one. Yeah, it
2: really was. But one of the things that we were discussing, you know, earlier and uh, before we started the podcast was um, how, how you're over the, the medical group. And so you're over the, the ambulatory uh, sector. And so We have spent a lot of time on the program talking about the hospital side of things. And if you've seen one hospital, you've seen how one hospital is run. And so it's very hard. Um, You know, every hospital seems to be managed differently and it's been a, a big struggle for for us and many others that have a large hospital system to get everybody kind of aligned. Um, from what I've seen on the clinic side of things, it's it's the same, but maybe even compounded and, and worse, just because every clinic seems to operate slightly differently. Every physician has a unique workflow uh, in the clinic. Uh, can you tell us just a little bit about how you approach that uh, from a management standpoint?
3: All right. So if, I think, you know, first of all, uh, this uniqueness, we all think we are unique, right? We're all special. We're all different. Special. But agents, actually, yeah. Uh,
1: especially me, that's right.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, if you think about it from the operational standpoint of view, we cannot have, you know. A million different processes, we have to have a single process that we may modify a little bit, but we have to have standards. We have to have standard work, we have to have a standard language, and this is what LEAN is. For the medical group, because you asked, uh, you know, I have here a pad to show you, uh, and we call it Physicians LEAD, and LEAD is an acronym that uh, we coined, and the L stands for LEAN. The E stands for engagement, physician engagement. The A stands for access, and D is diversity. And these physician lead is our priorities for the medical group. For the lean uh, initiatives, we are just in the beginning of our journey. Obviously, I'm a lean enthusiast and uh, my eye center runs by lean. And you know we reap, we reap the, the, the fruits of, of the success, and I'm a believer. But for many other departments, many other services, uh, people are uh, in different learning or different stages of their journey. So we have taken upon ourselves to uh, start a lean transformation journey for the medical group. I think it's uh, kind of unique, and I can come back and report next year and see how we're doing. But the first step that we took is to educate people. Uh, we first surveyed all the department chairs and what we noticed is that there are different levels even at the chair chair level you know some people are very familiar with lean and we have black belt chairs but some people are really novice and never heard of it so the first thing that we're doing is getting all the chairs to the level of a green belt Uh, And we're doing it, we started uh, doing it already. We had a lean retreat just uh, two weeks ago. And then we are planning to roll this out to all our physicians And I agree with you, you know, saying that maybe physicians are more resistant. However, if it comes from the chair and the chair is understanding and the chair is enthusiastic, and we know that we belong to a UMass Memorial Healthcare System led by Dr. Dixon, who is, you know, a lean guru. So our goal would be that every physician would be not only proud of their own specialty and their own skills, but also be proud of having the knowledge and having the uh, lean background, so a lean leader, we want every 1 of our physicians to also be a lean leader. Certainly, I have it in my department our all of our physicians uh, participate in our huddles. Uh, you know, and, and they are very familiar with how we do things. Uh, it took time. I haven't, you know, I, it this was not over overnight. But uh, you know this this idea that uh, there is waste and there is value and we have to increase the value and eliminate waste really uh, resonates and it works.
2: That's great. And, and so, you know, talk us talk to us a little bit about how you incorporate or how you introduce that methodology to maybe a new practice that you're acquiring when they come on.
3: So requiring is a is a is a is a is a. Is a, is a, is a I, I don't like the word. Okay, uh, (laughs) sorry, I said acquire
2: (laughs) when you bring a new new new. So, if there's an independent clinic and you're bringing them into the, the medical group, I don't know. So,
3: so, you know, my, my approach uh, is to 1st, invite them to our huddles and now with the zoom platform is very easy to invite. We had visitors in our uh, huddles uh, from. All over the country, and I'm inviting your listeners as well. Send me an email, and we'll invite you to to our huddle, and you see how you, you can see how it's done. And when you see how this is done, you know in practice. You may think about your own practice and say, well, why are we not communicating in such a way? Why don't we have such a safe environment where everybody can voice their opinion? Uh, why are we not continuously uh, thinking about how we can make uh, our lives and our patient lives better? Uh, and so start from this, start from showing where it works well and then you know hope to inspire and disseminate. And then you can you know go and visit their huddles and you know give suggestions. Uh, but that's, that's the, the approach. The approach is not to require uh, the approach. The approach is to inspire.
1: When we were on the, um, but before we started, you, you mentioned, um, idea boards and, you know, when we talk about lean. And we talk about different types of waste, uh, you know, 1 of the. The biggest waste there is is untapped human potential. And, you know, in a, in a big organization, there are a ton of ideas out there that that people have. Tell us a little bit about um, y'all's, y'all's idea generating process and, and how, how it goes from the individual who has the idea to potentially being, being implemented.
3: So this concept that everybody can have an idea and this idea may come to fruition is rather a new concept uh, for medicine in, in general. Right? We, in medical school, we go and we are taught, you know, what we think is, you know, the best practice of medicine and actually people are very, um, you know, weary or very hesitant to, tr- to try something else that no one has tried before. Right? And so as physicians, we really don't, um, we're not taught to think in that way. Um, and also in academic medicine specifically, it's a very hierarchical um, system. So people don't necessarily, you know, they don't feel necessarily free to speak up, okay? They kind of, okay, well, I'm gonna do my own role. Uh, I can tell you a short story of how this became uh, common in my department. And this was uh, back in 2016, when we had these weekly um, sessions about lean, uh, you know, we continuously said, you know, if you have an idea, you put it on the idea board. We'll make it happen. But people didn't really have ideas, or were not brave enough to to put ideas. So, um, as one of our discussions, uh, you know, as it was getting heated of how we can do things better, uh, one of our front desk people, you know, she stood up and she said to me in front of everybody else, you know, she said, "Dr. Shah, you don't understand." We need more people. You need to hire more people in order to be more efficient. We have to hire more people, and this was a Friday morning, and I was so angry. First of all, I was angry that you know she she doesn't understand lean, right? Hiring more people is a, is anti lean. It's not lean at all. You know we've been talking about uh, how to improve the process, not to hire more people. And so you know I was, I was thinking, okay, well you know this is not going to work. And I thought about it the entire weekend. How uh, you know? How might I uh, explain it in a better way? So what I did on Monday morning, I invited her and also all of our front desk people, not only her. So don't put not to put her on the spot. I invited her and all the people to my office. In my office, you can see here on the on the webex that um, you know it's is covered. With diplomas, right? It's covered with all my achievements and everything that I've done. And it's very important for me because I came from another country started my journey again, had to take all my exams again and whatever. So this offer is covered with all these uh, diplomas and usually if you're in the front desk, you never get to uh, come to this office. But I invited them all. They had a seat here in in, in my conference table and I said, uh, first. Thank you for the work that we are doing. You are the face of our clinic. You are the 1st, uh, person that any of our patients sees. You are the smile. You're the 1st, um, impression. And also, you are the last person because you are the 1 that checks everybody out. So, so your role in the clinic is key and I thank you for what you're doing. And the second thing is that you see all these diplomas around the the walls. I've done many, many things in my life, but I have never sat in the front desk Mm -hmm. and I do not know what to do. And I would be actually very bad at answering the phone and checking in somebody and smiling and not getting stressed. I would be probably terrible at that. I've never done that. So you don't want me to tell you, what needs to be improved? You need to come up with ideas. So then there was silence and then a, a 1 person kind of said, well, thank you for saying thank you because I've been working at UMass for 15 years and no 1 said th- thank you. So you're the 1st person that-. and then immediately afterwards, they kind of got it. They, it. It kind of clicked that. I really want their ideas. I'm not you know, pretending to work. I really think that they are better. At generating ideas to what would make their work better. And suddenly, it was little things like moving the computer from here to there, adding a chair here to there, changing the angle of this and that instrument. Not, you know, not major things uh, and not expensive things. And so suddenly they got it. So I think this, you know, getting it is perhaps takes time Uh, and then getting the courage to express your voice and then showing that that you support it. So uh, along the, the years, you know, there were many ideas that I thought were not good ideas, but I, I make a point to support every single ideas and idea, and some of them have really uh, surprised me. And what I can say is that um, what we have achieved here is far beyond what I had imagined when I first came here, so this shows the power of a team and team thinking, and every individual contributing.
1: That's that's a great story, uh, and it seems like that that once you make those people who who are your subordinates, and and, and they may be a little intimidated by you, and what, but once you you display that humility, and and you you give them the opportunity, and and they trust you, and they know that you're genuine. The floodgates just opened. You know they are they are so full. It's almost like a catharsis. They they, they they've been there's been all this stuff that they wanted to say, but they've just been in, they've been afraid to say it. That that's that's a really great story. Um, one thing I have to ask is that I'm a general surgeon, and I have cut on. Every part of the body, but I have never cut somebody's eyeball, and I I've just I just got to know what that feels like to to you know, you know I I would have a hard time taking a fifteen or an eleven blade and cutting into somebody's eyeball. I, I just I got to know.
3: So, 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 you know, I'm a surgeon as well. I, I have to tell you a, a quick story. I, you know, when I was a, a, a little girl growing up back in in, in Israel. Uh, uh, all I uh, love to do is uh, uh, read and learn and, and dream, so really didn't have many friends, and so my uh, grandpa had um, a, a clock wa- uh, shop, and every day after school, I used to stop there at the, at the uh, clock shop, surrounded by all these clocks and watches that he used to fix. Now, everything was under a microscope and I was a a little girl and, you know, he didn't speak uh, uh, Hebrew. He was a Holocaust survivor and uh, we didn't have a language really. But he gave me, you know, the watches and I could, I could, uh, you know, to tear them apart and try to put them together and very quickly. I learned that I can be very good with both of my hands under a microscope with forceps and other things. So when I, I came to medical school and I had to choose you know, what I'm going to do, I was sure that I could uh, do things under microscopes. And I wanted to spend time to really fix a uh, little things. So uh, clock uh, parts can can include dozens and hundreds of parts, but the retina. Includes two million parts. Wow! Uh, so you know that's my specialty. That's what I like to do. And every time I do it, I you know go back to my childhood, to my uh, grandmother and grandfather, and what he was doing.
1: Yeah, I remember rods and cones. That's about all I remember about <laughs>
2: the, the No, I remember a little bit more. Don't yeah, don't practice on anybody's eyeball in, in the coming weeks, HF. Eh, I'm I'm gonna stay away from you. <laughs> One thing that I saw, you know, is looking through your bio is that you do a lot of work with the double AMC. Is that right? Yes. Can you talk about how the double AMC or or just how, you know, continuous improvement or or lean is getting incorporated into uh, medical school curriculum?
3: All right, so actually my work in the double has to do with uh, actually supporting uh, diversity and supporting uh, women leadership and what I do specifically is do uh, finance courses mm-hmm. because I don't know if you know or not money runs the world. And, yeah. uh, in order Definitely to- Definitely did
2: not learn any of that in medical school.
3: Right. So we didn't learn any of that in medical school. And one thing that is perhaps, uh, you know, kind of gender unique is that you really need to be good at something before you dare to speak, uh, you know, as, as a woman. So uh, it's very important for our uh, women leader, women mid-career uh, physicians and faculty to uh, have the opportunity to really learn these skills. Otherwise, it's really uh, intimidating to, to start look at uh, finances if you don't have uh, the background. And I faced it myself when I became chair. Suddenly, I, you know, I saw all these uh, reports that I really didn't understand, you know, all these p statements and everything. And you feel rather stupid and you have to take the courage to ask someone and luckily for me, our CFO of the hospital is a woman. So I, I, you know, I was more, more, uh, I feel I felt, you know, less intimidated going to her and say, can you teach me? What should I look for? What, you know, what are these and, and really learn the language of finances? So it's actually a, a good uh, idea that you're uh, bringing Dr. Lancaster. Maybe we can uh, introduce a process improvement to double AMC. I don't know if they have it, but my role there is more, you know, a money role.
2: No, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I uh, was fascinated by the finance course that I took during this master's in health administration, but it was, it was something that was just so bizarre because I'd never seen any of that in undergrad or med school. And it's just the most, some of it's just the most basic stuff that really should have been taught in high school and really puts all of us really at a big disadvantage when we don't understand any of it. It's helped me so much, even just like in my you know, basic budget for my household, too. It's just skills like that that we never were exposed to. So that, that sounds like you're doing great work there.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, many things as physicians, and especially surgeons, uh, you know, uh, we are taught to excel in, in really one thing. In uh, the world is much broader than that. And even our patient experience is not really related just to our, our, our skills. And so I think in the future, what you're going to see more, I hope, in medical school is uh, team training, different disciplines talking to each other you know respect is a big big thing i don't know uh, if if you experience or, or not but uh, we are really uh, the traditional way of raising a physician is to uh, and it is, you know there is it, there is a reason for it you have to be self confident you have to trust yourself you have to lead a team but leading a team uh, I think in in twenty twenty one means a little bit different than than what you know when I was in the nineties in the medical school. It's a different way uh, of of leading. People do not like to be you know kind of told what to do, kind of an order. It has to be more than you know. What do you think? And how might we do it? Not just me, but us. Yeah,
2: yeah. and and so you you mentioned team-based care, which is, is something that everybody's really striving to, but we were, you're definitely right that in medical school and, and residency, we're still all very siloed, and which okay. has contributed so much to a lot of our, our fundamental problems in, in healthcare that continues improvement and other things that we're doing or trying to.
3: Yeah, improve. one of the, you know, things to think about is that, you know, patients come with a disease and that they, they need care for their disease. And the disease may involve several uh, okay. departments and even that it may be a challenge, you know, is whose turf is it and who is managing it and it, it tends to be kind of a personality fight instead of thinking, okay, well, we have a per- person and the person needs solution and how might we come together to help this person.
0: Well, Dr. Shaw, I can't tell you how thankful I am as we, uh, as we kind of come near somewhat of the end of the podcast. I'm so thankful that you showed up. I love your enthusiasm. I love your energy. You know, one of the things I really enjoyed listening to you talk about is um, I really loved your humility. You know, as we've been thinking about this very complex socio-technical system called healthcare, uh, I know I can sometimes get, um, oh, maybe content seduction, it, it would be called with just the technical side. How do we make things more efficient? How do we make things flow better? But what we don't want to lose sight of is the socio side of that. Right is uh, because people do tend to, in healthcare, care, uh, create their identity based on their discipline or the area that they work in. And I loved your story about inviting them into your place, your office. And humbly saying, you know, I don't know your job. I, I don't know how to do it better. I need you. I'm dependent on you. And wow, what a great demonstration of humility! And oh yeah, so- I agree.
1: I mean, it's and, and you know, we we as physicians and physicians and especially surgeons, we we don't like to admit that we don't that that we don't know something. And and yes, uh, it's you know making yourself that that humble to 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 admit that you don't know i mean that that's very very encouraging
3: Thanks. and so the, the advantage the big advantage if you don't know anything then you can learn a lot right if you if you already know any, everything you, then you can't learn anything new. so it's a, there's an advantage to be uh, you know humble and just want to learn more
0: well you know? and even even you know you know the final comment is that i loved in your story how you showed dependency on them in other words it wasn't just i don't know it was i don't know the job like you do and i'm dependent on you to give me the ideas i'm dependent on you to teach me what a great story I really love that story and, and i got the pleasure of sitting in on one of your idea systems and was so encouraged how everybody and anybody the ideas were coming as fast as they could come and there was this drive and energy to um, to improve their work. And I
3: wasn't even there when you were there, right? I that's true. There.
0: That is true. That is true. Well, listen, on behalf of Connecting the Dots podcast, I just want to say thank you so very much for coming on the podcast. I hope that you'll come on again in the future. I'm just so appreciative of you.
1: And, and also, I'm going to get uh, Dr. Shaw, I'm going to get your email from Skip because I, I really would like to sit in on, on one of your uh, sure. morning huddles. I sure would.
3: Inviting you and all of your listeners, you know, by Zoom, join us.
1: Sure will. Sure. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you so much.